This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast. Brought to you by our good friends at Indochino, Harry's, and Roman. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Um, Tyler, this is why we made the Sunday Scaries in the first place. This is probably the scariest Sunday uh, up to this point in the NFL season. Just an absolutely brutal day. I said to you this morning when we were doing our picks for our pick'em pool, I would take... I would take me losing every bet if that meant the 49ers would win by 40 tomorrow night versus Seattle. I hope I spoke that into existence because that's basically what happened. Um, so hopefully the 49ers win by 40 tomorrow and all this pain from today was worth it. Yeah, it was It was one of those days where week 10 of the NFL season were officially in the double digits um, where it actually felt like a non-stop roller coaster ride like i left my apartment once to get a bagel and coffee this morning and then i was on my couch for about essentially seven and a half hours we're recording it's 8 30 now on the east coast and i'm i'm exhausted i feel like i i've run a couple half marathons humble brag i'm dead i'm i'm just as tired yeah um i'm i'm gassed from uh absolutely thrilling day of football the witching hour during you know the noon games the early slate was wild going back and forth felt like i was on the right side of all my bets and then in a snap of the finger i was on the wrong side and i kind of started chasing the late games and that didn't help so it's a rough day and i tweeted this out sports are stupid um i don't fully believe that but a day like today makes me think like i should be doing other things with my life um people read books i heard uh, ride bikes outside, uh, go hiking, just things like that I should get into more. 
yeah, there are so many activities to be done. Um, this was my first Sunday wearing my full slate shirt. Um, we do have merch for listeners. Go buy it. Very comfortable. Fits well. Um, I was excited to see how the day went in it. And I think for me, the scariest moment was a couple hiccups during the one o'clock games that we will talk about. But largely, I was in good shape to have a very nice day if if the Rams just did what they're going to do. And I, it was just one of those things where you knew like you just you know, Tyler, when there are those bets that you kind of throughout the course of the week, you you put as a staple, as a key ingredient of all the different concoctions you throw on your sports book. And you just know, like, oh, this is this is the given. Like, this one's going to hit. Um, so I might as well just tack on other kind of parlays, teasers, everything around that. Um, that, that was me with the LA Rams. Yeah, that obviously didn't hit for you. Um, that was your lock of the week, so good pick there. Um, yeah, I I Thank was you. with you, I was with you on that pick, so I was hoping they would pull it off. I had them in a, a spread across a lot of bets, and they lost, so that sucked. Um, so I'm I'm with you on that Sunday scariest moment. The Rams were disappointing today for sure. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely mine um what is what is your sunday scariest moment or is that not possible given that iu football's ranked yeah that's nice iu football's ranked um i won my lock of the week again i'm seven and three but again it's a terrible gambling day for me but my sunday scariest moment goes to anyone in a suicide pool um, the Colts lost today at home, double-digit favorites versus the Dolphins, and the Saints lost at home, double-digit favorites against the Falcons. So I feel like every survivor pool had to get absolutely destroyed today, including um, ours. Yeah, I'm not sure what other like what other team was out there that people p- picked. Maybe if I look at the board again, I could see it, but maybe the Bears. But other than that, it feels like. 80, 85% of all survivor pools just got destroyed today from those two teams losing. 100%. It was absolute chaos on the streets today. Um, and I think the the most insane 1 o'clock game that we just have to talk about when we were locking in our picks this morning for the pool, the Chiefs six-point favorite, or yeah, six-point road favorites, Mahomes back. All they have to do is win versus the Titans. Said, oh, we, we have to do it. We have to test fate. We have to fade the Titans. And you know what, Tyler? I think I'm going to reach out um, to our bookie and basically see if there's a way where he can scrub all Titans games from from the website. Yeah, I, I, we just can't see it at this point, right? Every I just, time, I just don't. I don't want to see it. It always looks great. I just do not want it, even in my face, ever again. Yeah, it's like muting people on social media. Just that stress would get out of your head. So maybe we can mute the tight ends. I don't know if he has that technological uh, background and could go into the back end of the website, but I would appreciate it. And like you said, you tweeted out uh, something earlier about you know locking in the tight ends. You're testing fade and. This was just the most typical Titans loss that we get. Most typical side when we bet against the Titans. Um, <laughs> the Chiefs a, it had a, it truly had everything. The Chiefs had nine more first downs in them, outgained them by 160 yards, ran 30 more plays, <laughs> out had 
outpossessed them by 15 minutes, and somehow they lost this game. It's so typical. Um, the Chiefs went up 10 nothing. It looked like maybe they'll cruise. Uh, Tennessee was battling back. Then they get that fumble return for a touchdown. Derrick Henry breaks a long touchdown, and then somehow they come back at the end. It was such a typical Titans game. Just the craziest BS happening for them. They had a third and 17 at one point that Tannehill scrambled and got a first down. Just like things that like are supernatural happening for them. It's so typical. I despise this team. And somehow they just burn us every effing time we bet against them. There are like several key ingredients when this happens. And they all started falling into place. There's always a long Derrick Henry touchdown run. There's always um, a defensive touchdown of sort every single time. Defensive or special teams touchdown, a given. Um, And I thought this game was on ice when basically the Chiefs stopped them late in the fourth quarter. They got the ball back. They had third and two. Essentially, all they had to do was pick up the first down and the game was over. They get stopped. Um, Mahomes smartly just like dove down like he basically rolled out on the play there's nothing there so he made them burn time out and then of course they have the botch snap on the field goal and at that point like I, I knew they were scoring a touchdown there's no doubt and of course the Chiefs got close enough they were down three uh, where Bucker had a game uh, game tying field goal attempt that got blocked um, just you put Andy Reid plus the Titans in the same place we should we should be better. We have to be better. Yeah, like like you said, they teased us with driving down the field at the end. Mahomes made an incredible pass, and it's in, it's insane. He's back after that injury three weeks, and he threw for four hundred forty six. Yeah, it didn't look like he missed a beat. Four hundred forty six passing yards, three touchdowns. So he was incredible today. Somehow it wasn't enough. Ryan Tannehill outdueled him. And like you. <laughs> Look, look at Tannehill's numbers, 13 and 19, 181, two touchdowns, 13 completions. Ugh, fuck that. And the <laughs> Titans and the Titans leading receiver, this is just on ESPN. I don't know. I guess they go off yards. Was this guy, K. Raymond. Sorry, I don't know what his first name is. Khalif. One, Khalif. <laughs> one catch, <laughs> one catch, 52 yards. The Chiefs leading receiver was Tyreek Hill. 11 catches, 157 yards and touchdown. I know Derrick Henry had a great rushing day and that was obviously the difference but you see stats like that and you're like how the hell did the Chiefs not blow them out and like you said after they stopped them on the fourth down under I think it was under two minutes it felt like the game was over all they had to do is get one first down which seems like a given with the Chiefs offense they they didn't get it and like I know it's easy to say after they kicked the field goal that or the first one where with the botch snap why didn't they just punt it and like pin the titans back i really didn't like that because you missed it which happened you're setting up the titans with great field position i know it's a short punt or maybe just go for it honestly wouldn't you rather trust mahomes more to get two yards and you know travis kelsey tire kill all these playmakers you have than to kick a field goal that doesn't even win you the game you'd still only be up eight and the titans still have a chance so i thought they mismanaged the whole situation um i hate the titans i hate football um I hate everything. Yeah, that that is a good point. Actually, I didn't really think about that. I don't think you punt in that situation, but I think you at least think about going for it. I didn't have a problem attempting the field goal. Bucker's been pretty solid all year, um, but it 
And then, of course, Colquitt like picks the ball up. He gets in, he gets an intentional grounding, which like that. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. Um, just the stupidest things. And, just, and they just, always and, and they, they always, always it always goes in favor of the Titans every single time. And they always show Mike Vrabel and with his stupid mustache. It looks terrible. <laughs> and this team just haunts my dreams. So we had that game going on the early slate, and then we had the other game. We'll move on to talk about the Bills and the Browns. The Bills were three-point underdogs. We didn't really talk about on the Pick'em Pod. I don't know when in NFL history, if ever, a six and two team was an underdog versus a two and six team. I know that they're trying to sucker you into taking the Bills, but I mean, you just go off the records what you've seen on the field. It made sense to take the Bills. I don't feel dumb for taking them. Um, so that was another game where that and the Chiefs game were coming down to the wire. I had the Chiefs in the teaser. I had Bill's money line um, also. And at one point, they were both hitting. And then the flip, up, flip of an eye, uh, they were both losing and obviously ended up losing the game. So it was a horrible turn of events. What did you think about this Bills-Browns game? So real quick before we go there, just to give an accurate representation of how many people were riding the Chiefs with us? Ravel tweeted this earlier. 95% of the bets and 93% of the money on that game was on the Chiefs, according to FanDuel. Um, so mis- misery needs company, and we have plenty of it. So I guess we can take solace in that. In terms of this Bills-Browns game, it was terrible. Like it kept coming up on red zone because the Browns had all these <laughs> attempts in the red zone and kept getting stuffed. They just were kind of on there. It was really ugly. Um, I mean, it got exciting at the end when when they were driving. Um, I I hate this Browns team. I found myself. I mean, we we talk about it. We we root for the Bills as kind of uh, a second favorite team. Their defense is good. Josh Allen is really not great. He misses a lot of um, makeable throws that you just have to you have to complete if you're going to win a game on the road. I didn't actually bet on this game personally. It just smelled way too weird. It was such a stay away line. Um, but when I think about oh it, it, that, I mean now the Browns are three and six, and I mean who knows. Who knows with them if, if they can actually get hot. They still have a ton of talent. But the bottom line is Freddie Kitchens is awful. I think they had like – they literally in one possession, they had the ball inside the three. They had eight attempts. They got stuffed. Nick Chubb had a good game. But it seems like – do you find this with the Browns when you're watching their games? All of these like short, quick screen passes that – like it's just very predictable. Yeah, Freddie Kitchen's brain just goes into a pretzel when they get close to the uh, end zone. Like in between the twenties, it seems like the Browns can move the ball pretty well. But once they get in the red zone, they struggle. They had, like you said, eight straight plays at the one in the first quarter. They didn't score. There were a couple penalties that kept giving them extra chances. The Bills stopped them. So the Bills were pretty fortunate to stay, you know, around early in the game. But the Browns, it's just on offense. They just don't. Like they have so much talent, but they don't know what to do with it. They got Kareem Hunt back now with him and Chubb. That's a really good duo in the backfield. You still have Landry and uh, Odell, and they just like can't put it together in one full game. It's wild. Freddie Kitchens is way in over his head. They do get the win today, so keeps his seat a little cooler for now. But like you said, Josh Allen is just so 
inconsistent. There were a couple throws he had guys deep, and he just overthrows them by 10 yards. He's way too careless with the ball. He almost cost them the game. They were down 12-9 driving. He, like, lunges on a third down the ball gets punched out behind him he's lucky his offensive lineman recovered it and actually got a first down so mm-hmm. they got super lucky and what was so frustrating about this game was the bills were losing the entire game and it was just their offense couldn't get anything going their defense kept them in it like we said the goal line stand and they finally put together a drive to score and go up four points with four minutes left in the game and you're like great the bills defense has been lights out this entire game outside you know a couple drives like they'll get the stop and they let the browns go right down the field and it looked like the bills won the game there was a fumble we thought it was over the fumble in the backfield bills pick it up run it back for a touchdown i'm selling it i'm celebrating and then they show a replay and there's like kind of like a pass forward pitch play is very strange terrible call by the browns but they got lucky it was incomplete and they go down and score and then just like the chiefs the bills Josh Allen, like we said, didn't play great, but he did, you know, play well in uh, the clutch situations, drives them down. They were wasting way too much time. Another awful coaching job by McDermott, I thought. Just very strange the way they handled it at the end of the game. Like they, It seemed like they were settling for a 52-yard field goal, which isn't great because they ended up missing it and losing the game. So it was, it was just an awful swing of events between the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah. And this game for the Bills, like, I think this kind of validates what people thought. Like, they're not as good as their record indicates. Yeah, this plus getting embarrassed by the Eagles a couple weeks back. Like, uh, the Bills team, they just don't have enough weapons on offense. And Josh Allen doesn't seem to be good enough to actually win them games when it matters. Like, now just looking at... Now the Browns take on the Steelers. We're going to talk about them briefly. They literally broke me. This weekend, I mean, so they play them on Thursday night. So they'll they'll have a chance to string together a couple wins. They have to beat, obviously, the Steelers, a team ahead of them, if they're going to try and make a late push here. Um, but Baker Mayfield is continues to be, like, the least likable human being, I think, in the NFL, like, one of. Just with his antics off the field, continues to, not really off the field, just, like, not getting in trouble or anything like that, but just... The way he handles things with the media, I'll give it to I'll give him credit. His numbers were good today. He went like twenty five of thirty eight through a couple touchdowns, but this this Browns team is just such a combustible situation. Minka Fitzpatrick has more touchdowns this year than Odell Beckham. At some point <laughs> the top is gonna blow there. Um and it feels like it could it could happen in the next couple weeks. Yeah, they're a very irritating team to watch. Because, like you said, Odell and Jarvis, like the whole thing that happened last week with their cleats and the NFL telling them they couldn't wear it, it's just like you know what the rules are going into it, and then you're breaking the rules and then expecting a different outcome. They're just so self-absorbed, and like you said, at some point, that is going to combust. It's been slowly churning. Um, So they're just an annoying team. They got the win today, so maybe they'll be able to string some wins together. Like you said, that game versus the Steelers will be huge. Two teams... Uh, you know, I mean, the Steelers are the sixth seed in the AFC right now. It's pretty crazy to think Ugh. that they would make the playoffs if the season ended today. Um, I mean, you look at that AFC wildcard picture right now. It's the Bills six and three, the Steelers five and four, and then the Raiders and Colts at five and four, and Titans at five and five. So, <laughs> two of the, two of those five teams are going to get in. It's pretty terrible. I don't expect any of them to win a game, but. <clears throat> 
someone's going to have to get in and maybe the Browns can make a late push. But let's move on to the uh, NFC game we previewed on the Pick'em Pod that was as good as we thought it would be. The Packers beat the Panthers 24 to 16. There was snow at Lambeau. And Cody, I don't know about you, but just watching that and the atmosphere at the game, it was awesome. That's like when you think of like a snow football game, sometimes mm-hmm. people think about like that Eagles Lions game from years ago where there was like feet of snow on the field and guys couldn't run. Like when I think of like a good snow football game, it was what we saw today at Lambeau. Mm-hmm. I want flurries. I want it blowing around enough where like the guys on the sideline have to be in their heavy coats with like the hood on. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're a Panthers fan, one if you're a Packers fan, you take care of business at home. You win a game against a team that's in the mix in the NFC playoff uh, run. Um, but Kyle Allen was really very impressive on the road. The 49ers destroyed him a couple weeks back. I didn't get watch. that plug in. Get that yeah, plug in. Had to. Um, I didn't watch any of the, their game last week versus the Titans, but they took care of business there. Uh, but Kyle Allen, 28 of 43, 307 yards, a touchdown, an interception. But I mean, he let he led that Panthers team 90 yards uh, on the final drive to potentially tie the game. Um, you got to give him credit. The guy hung in there. Um, and he seems like legit. Like he, I think he's here to stay. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, another Christian McCaffrey S day, over 100 yards rushing, uh, six receptions, 30 yards touchdown. He gets stopped at the one, and what felt like kind of like a Friday Night Lights moment, like the movie when Winchell gets stuffed at the one. McCaffrey gets stuffed at the one. It kind of looked like he may have gotten in, but there was no way of actually uh, telling because Curtis Samuel was kind of in the way. Um, I this I mean we were both on the Panthers we gave it out the Packers the Packers are be, like the Packers are a very good team um but I don't know like the Saints scare me more to be honest and I think the Panthers definitely kind of got robbed if I I didn't actually place money on this one but if uh Panthers betters I would I would feel a bit salty it's it's a definitely a bad beat um and also, what what do you know what Ron Rivera is doing? They're down 14. They scored a touchdown. Why did he go for two? I don't know. I mean, the analytics people say they go for two there. They get it. They're down six, and then they score again and only need an extra point to win. And if you don't get it, you just need to go for two to tie it. I, I don't really get it. Um, I'm with you. Like, just doesn't seem like the juice is worth the squeeze. It didn't end up mattering because I didn't obviously get the second touchdown they needed, but definitely a strange move. And like you said, Kyle Allen played well. That last drive was, I thought, super impressive. Like the conditions we mentioned, going up against the Packers pass rush, which had a good game. They're getting a lot of pressure on him, and he stood in there. McCaffrey uh, fell short. You mentioned Friday Night Lights. That got me a little emotional thinking about Winchell. Just coming up short in state versus, uh, I think it was Dallas Dallas Carter. Dallas Um, Carter, yeah. Super emotional uh, movie, great movie. Uh, but great back movie. to the back, if, back they had a, if they had a healthy Booby Miles, they rushed him back. They rushed him back. He wasn't healthy. I know. I'm saying if if they did, they, I don't know. I, who knows? I don't. Oh, okay, I sorry. Agree, I, cut, I agree with you. I cut you off. I'm sorry. Right. Got caught up in the moment. 
Yeah, but uh, like I said, Kyle Allen was super impressive. He did have two really bad turnovers, though. In the first half, they kind of were controlling the game. They're up 10-7, driving into Green Bay territory around midfield. And he had a they had a second and one, and he fumbled the snap. Packers recover, go down and score. That felt like a big momentum twist. And then it's 21-10 in the second half. They're driving. They have, I think, his first and goal. Aikman and Joe Buck are literally praising him, saying that Jordan Palmer, uh, Carson's brother, who's like a quarterback coach, was saying when he came out, he thought he was as good as Darnold and Josh Allen. And then he proceeds to throw an interception the next pass. It was really bad play. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is like Darnold and Josh Allen. He threw it into double coverage. Um, So those two two turnovers really killed them. Other than that, I felt like they kind of controlled the game when they had the ball. They were able to move it except for a few times. So this is a tough loss for the Panthers, just trying to stay alive in the NFC playoff picture. But like you said with the Packers, I'm not – we'll see in a couple weeks. The 49ers play them in San Francisco. I'm not super afraid of them. I think they're good. I I don't think they've put together a full game yet, right, where they dominate offensively and defensively, maybe versus the Raiders. I know they kind of blew them out in that game, but mm-hmm. if it feels like they get off to a hot start or they just like get in stretches where they get hot on offense and then they go into lulls. They had the ball today with a chance to run out the clock at a first down the ice and they couldn't do it. So that's my one thing with the Packers. Just doesn't seem like they've consistently put together a game where they dominate uh, from you know the start to the end. Yeah, I think the thing with them. Now they finally got Devontae. He's back. He played well. Seven catches, 118 yards. Aaron Jones has been like a touchdown machine when they get him the ball. He had, he had three in this game. They're, I mean, their defense played well, obviously, at home. But I agree. Kyle Allen threw a couple bad interceptions. I guess you have to give the Packers some credit for that. But the red zone interception was brutal. And the Packers... I feel like the Packers get the benefit of the doubt from the refs more than anyone. The <laughs> just the the roughing the passer penalty on Rodgers and in the end zone uh, on their drive before the first half was done. It ultimately didn't end up mattering. The Panthers stopped them at the goal line as time expired, but. It seems like every week there's a call like that, and it it goes uh, to benefit the Packers. Or am I just being dramatic and getting caught up on Twitter because I've been doing this for the last seven hours? <laughs> I don't think you're. I don't think you're completely off that. Um, roughing the passer call was horrible, um, and the Packers didn't end up scoring. The Panthers absolutely blew up that fourth down or the play before the half, whatever it was. Um, but it did have an impact because that was third down. So the Panthers would have gotten the ball back probably around midfield with a chance to score before the half. So even though the Packers didn't score, it did impact the Panthers slightly. So that call went against them. There were a couple others that I was having a discussion with my friend Jared, who's a Packers fan. Obviously he doesn't see it, but it does seem like they've gotten the benefit of the doubt on some calls. Um, I'm sure they had some calls go against them, but I don't think you're crazy. I mean, everyone remembers the Lions Monday night game where it seems like they're getting the benefit of the doubt. You know, the NFL likes having the Packers be good. Yeah, I don't think there's any denying that one. Um, so so we are, we're going to take a quick break here, have a couple words from our sponsors, and then uh, get into our Lock of the Week recap and Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. 
Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to the razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is a return to the essential, quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middlemen, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at a factory discount direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire. You'll get weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to start shaving better today. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it rather than seeing a doctor. I know I'm guilty of it myself whenever I try to relive my glory days on the basketball court. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. And getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, Cody, let's move on to our locks of the week recap. We're both six and three coming into this week. Um, I move on to seven and three. You go down to six and four. Um, you want to you wanna take the lead or should I go first? Let's let's go in chronological order since you had the 1 p.m. game. We'll get started there. So go with a little bit of a joyous start. Good news and the bad news for uh, next. So I had the over in the Bucks Cardinals game, 52 and a half. This did hit. Final score was Bucks 30, or Bucks 30, Arizona 27. This was not easy. Um, this was a sweat, and they were just toying with me the entire game. So. It was twenty to it was twenty twenty going in to the fourth quarter. The Cardinals had thrown a, a seventy yard touchdown to Christian Kirk to make it twenty twenty with eight minutes left in the third. At that point, I started to rest easy. I was like, okay, this is fine. I was sweating other games that we talked about earlier. <laughs> um, more so, I thought I had this in the back pocket. And then, you know, these are two bad teams, so they'll do what bad teams do. The Bucks had the ball backed up. I texted you. I was like. We need a Jameis pick six. They're backed up. This is when he throws it. <laughs> Literally two plays later, he threw an interception. They didn't return it, but 
then the Cardinals are set up with the ball in the red zone. So I was like, okay, here comes at least a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Two plays later, David Johnson fumbles, who looked pretty terrible. Um, I don't know if he saw her, but he did nothing today. Uh, Kenyon Drake looked like the much better back in this game. So then that was points taken off the board. And then goes to the fourth quarter. Bucks kick a field goal. It's 23-20. to 20. The clock's running. The Cardinals really aren't doing anything. I'm like, this is going to lose. I'm starting to get very angry. Uh, when I don't know what you do when, you know, because like as people know who listen to the pod, I'm in Chicago, you're in New York, so we're not always, we're not really together much when we're gambling. When I, when my bets are not going good, I just stop talking. Um, so I was very quiet <laughs> during the stretch, and it looks like the Cardinals are lining up the punt. They do a wild fake punt, and Andy Lee, the, the former 49er. <laughs> Our, our hero throws like a 25-yard pass, somehow completes it. The Cardinals get a first down. So I was like, holy shit, that probably just saved me. Because at that point, it felt like this was going to die. Then they come down and score. So it's 27-23. The Bucks are dr- then driving with six minutes left in the fourth. Ronald Jones takes, I think it was like a screen pass. He's crossing midfield. He fumbles. The Cardinals get it back. <laughs> Then the Cardinals are driving. All I need at this point is a field goal. They have the ball in the 15. Kyler Murray throws an awful, awful pass. Such a rookie mistake. Gets picked off. And now I'm basically praying that the Bucks could drive down and score a game-winning touchdown because they can't settle for a field goal at that point, being down four. And luckily, Jameis pulled it off. And I don't know if I said it last week or a few weeks ago, we have to treasure these Jameis games when he's still a starter. He's electric. Um, he has his high moments. He has his down moments. He's so fun to watch. Um, so he he drove them down. He made some really nice passes, and Peyton Barber punched it in, and my over hit, so that gave me some slight relief, not a ton, but at least uh, my lock hit. Yeah, I, I was definitely sweating this one out as well. Uh, I got excited about it. I put in our <clears throat> little full slate lock of the week parlay after we made the picks last week. And this game really did have it all out of Jameis. You mentioned it. He threw some incredible, just some awesome passes that you're like, wow, this guy could definitely be a franchise quarterback. And then he'll do what he did uh, when they were backed up and got that interception like two plays after he texted me um, where he just forces the ball when he shouldn't happen. Um, But yeah, this, I mean, it literally went to script, right? There is... It started slow. You were nervous. You texted me saying it's dead. It's a dog. It's dead. Uh, <laughs> you got you got 14 points in the last two minutes of the first half, which that can't be overlooked. That was that was big, big for your mental psyche, big for my mental psyche, and we had some momentum, but it it did stall out for a little while. But Christian Kirk, Kyler Murray did did their part and, and Jameis did enough and Andy Lee an absolute hero in our eyes in our hearts um one of one of the most wild fake punts I've ever seen like kind of a flea flicker uh fake punt and he threw an absolute dime there ended up being a pass interference play but he he completely completed the pass um so good good for him um and, yeah, I mean, both these teams aren't good at all, but they're both very entertaining to watch. And, honestly, that's that's all we're looking for here. Yeah, this was a typical red zone game where it's not two winning teams. Neither team's going to make the playoffs, but it was exciting to watch, and it was on the 
red zone constantly, both teams driving and just making stupid mistakes. And what the Cardinals did at the end of the game was absolutely atrocious. Cliff Kingsbury, this Cliff Kingsbury was a controversial hire. I think he's actually been better than what we probably thought. The Cardinals have been pretty competitive. I, I didn't think they would be this good, but it showed why he was a 500 coach in the Big 12 today. They have the ball down three. It was around a minute left. They had a timeout or two. And they, they got like a completion, and they were literally just running the clock down. There were 30 seconds left, and they're just running the clock like it's a normal drive in the first quarter. They wasted way too much time. And then there's a play at the end where it could have been a pass interference or not, and the Cardinals were complaining. I was like, you don't even deserve to get that call after the way they mismanage a clock. It was head-scratching what they're doing because they had a chance. All they needed was a field goal to send the game to overtime, and they just wasted way too much time they had a holding penalty that took back a play so that was just rookie coach rookie quarterback mistake there and it shows why they have a losing record there's definitely potential there but cliff kingsbury uh, really showed why he flamed out at texas tech yeah i mean the offense looked great at times and bad at others and i do want to talk about david johnson it, it's almost like he runs like standing up and felt like he was just going in slow motion. Um, he literally got me zero fantasy points in the league I own him. It just terrible. He was he was terrible. Um, but whatever. The overhit, I was I was very happy for you. And like I mentioned earlier in Sunday scariest moment, my lock of the week, Rams minus three and a half. I had a lot of very good trends about road favorites off a of bye. McVeigh was undefeated on the East Coast, uh, straight up and against the spread. The Rams had like won and covered their last six uh, road games. And from the very start, I mean, it got off to a wonderful start. The snap over Mason Rudolph's head, a quick uh, scoop and score for the Rams are up 7 nothing. blink of an eye, feeling good, but also just knowing that it's not going to be this easy. Um, there, there's just no way. And I saw a few few signs early in this game. Just the way Goff is in the pocket, he he just has happy feet. Like he's kind of like he gets antsy, he gets anxious. He doesn't get rid of the ball very quickly, which I think is a big issue for him. And we saw it in this game multiple times. He he's very fumble prone. Um, he threw two interceptions, uh, and it, it was just. A brutal game to watch because they just strung you along. At the very end, I knew there was no chance they were gonna win. They were gonna cover three and a half, but I was at least hoping they would win the game because that would help out in the number of these different teaser parlay situations I had. Um, but of course, they didn't. McVeigh McVeigh was atrocious. I thought the play calling was terrible. They had two weeks to prepare. I saw a stat on Twitter about Goff's numbers. Uh, in games where uh, he's where McVeigh's had two weeks to prepare and not not good, uh, or the last two two games he's played in where uh, they've had two weeks, it was basically combining the Super Bowl yeah. and, this, and this Steelers game, very atrocious. Um, I mean, the Rams' defense accounted for nine points. The offense scored three. That's not going to get the job done anywhere. Uh, the defense was great, but at the end of the day, there was some like questionable play calling in my mind. I'm, I'm being a little bit of a baby about it, I think, but I just don't understand how... how like, can you explain to me this, Tyler? I did not love high school physics. Um, but okay. how, but Yeah, thank you. But how can 
an arm not be going forward if the ball goes like eight yards in front of the quarterback? Like, how how is that? How are those two things possible? You know, I didn't major in physics also. Um, my physics teacher in high school was a joke. The class was a joke. So I, I didn't take a lot away from it. Um, you're talking about the golf play. I mean, I, it kind of looked like he threw it. I don't know. It's questionable. I hate it because it's the NFL started where they were blowing the whistle too early in the year with the Cameron Jordan play. And now they let plays go. And it's kind of like also weird because I feel like they put themselves in a corner where they let the play go. And then, OK, that's a call in the field. It's like, well, it's not always easy to overturn it. I didn't think I kind of agree with you. I'm also biased because I bet on the Rams. But just all the game, the play calling was terrible. The Steelers' defense is legit. That's what's gotten them to this 5-4 and four spot. I was skeptical of the Minka Fitzpatrick trade just because I wasn't skeptical of his talent, but I thought giving up a first-round pick, and we weren't sure how good they would be if that ended up being a top-10 pick. Um, that would be a big loss, but they've righted the ship. Their defense is legit. TJ Watt is awesome. He's all over the place. Um, and Minka Fitzpatrick has really, you know, taken that defense to another level. And Mike Tomlin's done a great job. He's been criticized a lot over the last few years, and he has to be in the running for coach of the year. I don't think he'll win it, but the way he's turned this team around, losing Big Ben, Rudolph getting hurt uh, for a couple games, and uh, James Conner getting hurt, like, he's really done a great job. And the Rams, like you mentioned, McVay, the play calling sucked. I think the league has caught on to him, and he hasn't adjusted. That's why we're seeing Goff struggle so much. Because when everything isn't perfectly scripted for Jared Goff to succeed, he doesn't play well. Like you said, he gets happy feet. He gets nervous in the pocket. He makes some really questionable throws. Like if McVay's basically not drawing up a play where it's like A is going to be wide open, like he can't find who that B person is. You know, he can't find his second option. So he struggled. And that fake punt, what the hell was that? So bad. I so I, if, I, Go go ahead. One quick point on it. I texted my friends. That was the worst play I've seen. I think, remember the Colts did the fake punt on Sunday night versus the Patriots with McAfee a while back? That was arguably almost as bad as that. It was horrible. When you're doing a fake punt, the point of it is, like, it to be a surprise. It wasn't a surprise, and it seemed like no one on the Rams knew what was going on. It's like they snapped at the Johnny Hecker. And everyone just stood around like, oh, shit, are we actually running a play? It was horrible. They didn't they didn't even end up giving up points, but it was still terrible. Um, terrible, terrible, terrible all around. It, it, it just there. There are so many different points in this game that I was just watching it and I was so mad. I, I was like, I hate Jared Goff. I hate Sean McVay. I hate the fact that I fell into this stupid road favorite trap. Everything was so nicely like all the trends were saying Rams, but I, I didn't, I th- I definitely underestimated the Steelers defense. You said it, TJ Watt and like their front seven and Minka Fitzpatrick, they just fly around. They're making plays the whole time. The Rams offensive line is banged up. Todd Gurley, he had 12 carries for 73 yards. I don't know when, when those yards were gained because it felt like their run game, they got nothing and that their running backs are so slow. Um, I, it just felt like everything was in slow motion on the Ram side. Mason Rudolph, I also don't know how his numbers are this decent. I felt like he played terrible. He's 22 of 38, 242 and a touchdown. Um, but I mean, they, they did enough to win the game. Um, 
I I just yeah it it was it was a game that uh, was a brutal loss. The Steelers have now broken me twice on lock of the weeks. Back a couple weeks ago with the Chargers, this week again with the Rams. Uh, there was another point I wanted to make, but I can't think of it. Maybe I will at some point. But yeah, the fake pun was brutal. Um, oh, this is so it was off. So the the Rams got the safety. They made a fourteen to twelve. They got the ball back, and I think it was first down. They've run like a great. There's like a great slant route by uh, by uh, God, Cooper Cup. Long day. Cooper Cup. He's open. Goff throws it a little bit behind him, and Joe Hayden makes an incredible play. He makes a diving uh, a diving play. He knocks the ball down, and. If Goff had just led Cooper Cup a little bit, I don't know that he would have scored a touchdown, but it would have been at least like a 40-yard gain. There was nothing but field in front of him, and Hayden was essentially selling out to stop the ball. Um, like If Goff had just led him a little bit, I think everything everything changes about this game because um, they end up not scoring there, and the Steelers come down, they kick field gold, and then obviously we know the Rams don't end up scoring at the end of the game. Maybe there could have been pass interference, but um, I, I thought that was a big miss. On, on a play where Goff had time to throw, and he just was, he threw it behind Cooper Cup. Those are just the plays they're not hitting this year that they hit the last two years with McVay and Goff. These big plays to Cup, Robert Woods, it seems like they're just off a little bit. I don't know if the Super Bowl broke their brain, but since then they haven't been as sharp. And I agree with you with the Todd Gurley point. I have the box score in front of me. Like, when did is, he get is this when, right? When, when was he <laughs> averaging six yards a carry? Because I, I was thinking, like, oh, they should have given him the ball more. And I'm, then I think again, I'm like, I don't remember him running well or it always seemed like the Rams were in like second and long, third and long. It never second felt like they were second yeah. and eight. Every every time they ran the ball in first down, two yards. Yeah, they were never getting ahead of the chains, as they say. So I don't know when that happened and Mason Rudolph stats, like he he kept us in the game. I mean yeah, the Rams he, defense played great. And I think we got kind of thrown off the scent with the Rams because after the 49er game, we were both saying the Rams aren't that good. Goff looked off. He had looked off through the first six games. And then their next two games, which I had as my lock of the week, and I went 2-0 on, when they played the Falcons and the Bengals, you know, they won those games handily. But those are two awful teams. The Bengals are the worst team in the NFL. They are miserable. So I think people got kind of maybe thrown off the scent that the offense was back on track, um, you know, when they played two crappier teams. Because, like I when we talked about the Bengals Rams game from a few weeks ago, they got up in that game, but they kind of never really put them away. So that should have been kind of like a warning that maybe they're just not as good this year. And we saw it today. They had the time off to prepare and they couldn't get it done versus Steelers team. And what felt like a really like must have game for the Rams and the NFC. So I just think this is the reality that they're not as good as they've been the last couple of years. And they're going to have to battle to get in to the playoffs and their schedule is tough. They play the 49ers in Seattle one more time each. So they'll have their chances, but I don't think they're anything to be reckoned with. Maybe they get in, but they're they're not the same team they've been. Yeah, that $33 million contract to Jared Goff isn't feeling too great right now. Even, I mean, I jokingly tweeted out, put Bortles in. I was like, you did seven, get in. 
I know. I was like 70% kidding. Next thing I know, Bortles is in on, on third and two, looking clueless as ever, just budging a, a run pass option and just being himself there. That was right before the fake punt. What a sequence. What, um, so one more. It, yeah. What's what's your what's your last thing? I'm so I'm so done with the Rams. I'm I think I'm done with gambling. Yeah, we probably should be, and then this podcast will go into question. But one more, <laughs> one more complaint, and then we'll move on to Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. Um, what was I gonna say? I completely forgot. Speechless. Uh, yeah, something with the Rams that they did. It was dumb. Um, that be my yeah. Oh, every every like third down, like we said, they were always in third and longs, and they were just it was like a third and eight, and they'd just run like a four yard pass, and, and God would throw it, and they'd just be sure and be fourth down. I literally texted you at one point. Is like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, they just the play calling was terrible. They made no plays. The team stinks. Everything stinks. <laughs> Let's move on to Grandpa I was going to say, we, we've gotten a few F-bombs dropped on this podcast. We try not to do that anymore. Our dad will probably text us about it, but if, if it feels right after this week. So, sorry, Dad. Um, it, was, it was a stressful, stressful week. Uh, at least, at least. Let's do a real quick update. College basketball unders. I'm three for three. Another winner this morning. UF FSU. Congrats. Um, Let's move on to Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. I'll let you get started. Okay. Thank you, Tyler. Um, My Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week, I was kind of surveying the landscape. There's a lot of candidates this week, but I didn't want to kind of rehash something related to the Chiefs or uh, the entire LA Rams team. Um, But... My grandpa Billy's bum of the week are tanking teams in the NFL. We had we had three one-win teams win today. Uh, the Falcons, the Jets, and the Dolphins all were out outright winners. You you mentioned it. Survivor pools everywhere being imploded. Um, really, yeah. Everyone got got canned. Uh, Sam Darnold said after the game that uh, the Jets are are basically ready to make a playoff run. Um, you must so, be listening to the pod. I was going to say that is encouraging to know that the quarterback of the New York Jets listened to our podcast a couple weeks back. Um, but the the Bengals find themselves squarely in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick, whether that's Tua, whether that's uh, Chase Young, whoever it may be. Um, but they, they get a little separation here. So I know we're all too familiar with being an NFL fan of a tanking team and like what that means and the pretzel it puts in your brain. Um, I, th- I think if you're a Jets fan, you're happy they beat the Giants. Um, if you're a Dolphins fan, I mean, they've been feisty. They've covered, I think it is four weeks in a row now. Um, and then if you're a Falcons fan, I don't know. I think you're probably okay with it. Dan Quinn probably saves his job for another until the end of the season uh, as a result of beating the Saints in New Orleans. And, I mean, we're happy about it because the Saints get their second loss, big for the Niners and uh, the NFC playoff picture. But, yeah, tanking teams, not not playing the role. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the Falcons and the Jets, those are two teams who came to the air, like, especially the Falcons, hoping to make the playoffs. And people thought the Jets would be better than they are. Um, but the Dolphins were like hourly tanking, trading away Fitzpatrick, Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, and they've accumulated those first rounders. So it's it's funny, like you said, they've covered the last four games or what, whatever it is, and they're playing decent. Um, I know 
Brissett didn't play today, but you still think that's a game the Colts should win at home, being the better team. So I'm not going to complain about it. We have the Colts under bet, so that was huge. Yeah, that, was, that was a huge loss. And also, I have Texans to win the division, so that really helped me as well. Um, but yeah, for the Dolphins, who are like hourly tanking, they just they can't, they can't get out of their own way. Brian Flores is probably a better coach than maybe we thought he would be. Because he's coaching that roster up that has really not a lot of talent on it, and they're playing hard and they're competitive. So, got to tip your cap to him and the Falcons with Dan Quinn. I've been lobbying for him to be fired. What's going to happen now? And I know this is what's going to happen. They're going to end the season, play well, maybe get like six wins, and like end the season on like a good note. And then people be like, oh, you know, if we just stayed healthy, if we just have a couple guys like couple more pieces and they're going to bring Dan Quinn back and we're just going to run this back again next year. So I'm, I'm all for it. If it's, if that's <laughs> what's going to happen, I, I like the comedy of it, but yeah, a lot of uh, bad teams getting off the schneid today. Yeah. Again, some W's. Um, so who's your uh, grandpa Billy's bum of the week? <sighs> so my grandpa Billy's bum of the week, a guy uh, we love talking about on the podcast, uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, <laughs> he, he was, he was terrible on Thursday night. This is such a classic, classic Chargers loss. Um, we talked about it on the Pick'em Pod. Right when you think they're turning the corner and you could start trusting them, they pull a game like this out. And Rivers had three picks. I think he had two that were also taken back because of penalties. Sacked five times. He was terrible. The game started off. The Chargers are driving right down the field. Looks like they're going to get a score on the board early and go ahead. And he just overthrows Keenan Allen by like 20 yards. Pass gets picked off. And it was just, that's how the night was going to go. And the Chargers had a chance um, at the end of the game to win. All they needed was a field goal. And I guess this Anthony Lynn plays into this as well. This is just what bad coach teams do. There's a minute left that I believe all three timeouts left. And they're just, maybe two. And they're just heaving it like, uh, uh, the play on Madden, four verticals. I think they just ran that four straight times. And Philip Rivers, who never really throws the ball deep, was just throwing deep passes consecutively. They didn't complete any. The game was over. And it's like, did they realize they only needed a field goal to win the game and they had plenty of time? So Philip Rivers was a bum. Anthony Lynn's a bum. The Chargers are dead. They're four and six. I felt like that was whoever, a loser leave town game. So I think their season's over. Um, you know, there were the rumors of them moving to London. Who knows if that'll happen? Uh, send Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers and his kids moving to London would be a great reality show um, if that ever happens. And the Raiders win and continue to uh, prove us wrong. Yeah, Philip just like getting into arguments with British people because he doesn't understand what they're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. The Raiders are kind of more of the story for me out of this Thursday night game. Like, Derek Carr played really well, led them down the field late in this one. Josh Jacobs had another solid game out of a rookie running back. And, I mean, I'll – I'll, I, I'm eating crow on the Raiders. I thought they were going to be an absolute train wreck. They got rid of Antonio Brown. It seemed like it was just going to be a um, reality TV show all year and that with – John Gruden, Mike Mayock, essentially taking ESPN and NFL Network's top guys and putting them on one NFL team. Um, it was never going to work, but, I mean, they're 5-4. and four. They're one of the teams we mentioned in that playoff mix, and they look good, and their schedule's been an absolute disaster thus far, and now the rest of the season, it's, it's very favorable. So I, I think the Raiders are about to be a playoff team. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're only a half game back of the Chiefs in the AFC West. Their next two games are home versus the Bengals at the Jets. At the Jets, uh, you know, early East Coast game isn't easy, but, you know, if they continue to play like they have, they could be 7-4 coming out of that stretch. So it's crazy to think, like you said, before the season, it felt like it was going to kind of all fall apart and they're going to be a train wreck. But you have to give credit to John Gruden. He's been on, he was on ESPN for all those years. He kind of just seemed like a clown, but he obviously knows what he's doing a little bit. Um, the crowd there was electric. Um, the black hole, like, it's kind of sad they're going to leave Oakland, right? I think once they go to Vegas, those crowds will be pretty crazy too. But just the whole vibe of Oakland, like, it's such a crappy stadium, but that's why it's awesome. It kind of reminds me of Candlestick, um, the 49ers old stadium. Like, it wasn't the nicest, but it just had such, like, a great vibe to it. Just like an old stadium that's rocking. And Josh Jacobs is awesome. I th- I would say he's probably leader of rookie of the year, and in two week or in three weeks I go to Kansas City, and if like we said they keep winning, that could be for first place. Like I think they can beat the Chiefs if they keep playing the way they are, because their run game is what gives the Chiefs problems. We saw with Derrick Henry today, and Josh Jacobs is good enough to kind of control a game like that. So they're legit. It's crazy to think because. Coming into the year, we knew the Chiefs would be good, and I think people thought the Chargers would be good again. And even the Broncos were getting some love with Fangio. If that defense kind of turned into what he did with the Bears, everyone's writing the Raiders off, but they've turned it around, and it's really impressive. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I, I'm ready to get a. We got, we got it. We it's kind of crazy. Today was such an insane NFL Sunday. There's still a great game going on right now. Vikings Cowboys tomorrow. Obviously, we have Niners Seattle, a, a massive game. Um, and Tyler, you're about to go to Vegas for work. So, um, are you gonna write the ship out there? <laughs> yeah, I could could win everything back um, that I lost this week. And if it goes well, maybe I'll just stay out there uh, until I until I cool off. But Hopefully it could bring me some good luck because I definitely need it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for us. I'm pulling for the Niners. Um, we are going to actually, since you're in Vegas, we're not going to be able to do a pick em pod this upcoming week. We will tweet out our picks um, and maybe some notes on, on the games, why we like what we like. And uh, we will be back next Sunday for another edition of the Sunday Scaries podcast. So subscribe, rate, review, and uh, buy our t-shirts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.